good morning. Good to see you this morning. Am I good to be seen this morning? I think I am. I'm so glad to see you. As the praise team comes, I just want you to stand together as we join our voices to the Lord today.
Light in the darkness, my God, that 
together. Father, today we are so thankful for the opportunity to be in your house, to realize we're here by design, by divine appointment. We're so thankful that we can come into this place, but more than that, that you would love us enough, not just to save us from sin, but to call us to a purpose and to love us enough to meet with us today. Father, we love you. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, this guy is going to come to the platform, but I want to introduce to you our transitional pastor. Um, This guy, now I'm just telling you, as we've walked around the community this last couple days, last few days since we've announced that he's coming, I would hate to have to live up to his press. 
because he has uh, got a lot of good comments in the community already about him. And I told him that you are a loving bunch of people. Brother Ken works after being pastor for a lot of years. He is working with the South Carolina Baptist Convention now. So I told him, you're loving people. I want you to put your hands together and make welcome Ken Forrester to Poplar's Amen. Well, God bless you. So good to see you today. And uh, good to see some old friends and to make some new friends today. And uh, grateful for this opportunity to come and to preach the gospel. And uh, I need your prayers, all right? Because uh, I, I know how this thing works. I've been in the ministry for 41 years. So you are looking at me, aren't you? You're going to look and you're going to listen and you're going to try to figure this redneck out, all right? And so I need you to know something. As much as you were looking at me, I am looking back at you, all right? Because we're in this thing together. And I want this transitional period to be a season in the life, not only for myself, but for you as a church, that we can truly see God doing something that can only be explained by Him. And so that's why we need to pray. And that's how we're going to pray together. That's why we're going to work together in this transitional season. Now, there's a lot to unpack, okay? There's a lot to unpack. But first and foremost, I want you to know that I want you to pray that every single week when I get in this pulpit to preach the Word, that I won't get up and just say something, but God has given me something to say. So I need you to pray for that. And I'm going to be praying for you that as we enter into this season together, that you will receive whatever it is that God has for us. And that we will just, we will just watch and His glory just be on display. I'm praying that we would see some souls saved. I'm praying that we would watch God grow the church. Because the end result is this. I, I want to be used to the Lord to tee it up for whomever God has to be your next pastor. Okay? So here's what I do know. God's already at work. So I want God to work in us and I want God to work in Him. And at just the right time, God's going to bring that all together. And so I want to get to know you. I really do. I've I've walked around today and I've met many of you and uh, many of you shared your name. And I'm going to try my best to remember, but, but you may have to tell me a couple of times, all right? And, but I wanted, I wanted to know you. I want to know the culture of the church. I want to know what you value. And then in time, we're gonna, I will share with you everything from the pulpit. I'll communicate with you through different mediums. Um, but I want to put together some listening sessions because I want to know you. I, I want to hear your heart. And uh, you, you, it's going to be valuable information for me. And then from that, we want to put together a focus team. Because and, and, we really want to know the strengths of the church. So my goal is not to come and, and try to fix anything. Okay? I want you to know that. I want to know where you're strong, and let's make the strengths stronger. And, and, and it's not that God has not already given you a mission. You know what the mission is. You know it's an upward work, and it's an inward work, and it's an outward work, right? And that's what God does, and God is doing that. And so you've already got a mission. You've already got a plan. Let's just keep the train on the tracks. And let's keep moving forward for the glory of God. Does that sound like a good plan? Choir, you okay with that? All right. You got my back this morning, right? 
All right, I'm counting on you. I'm counting on you. If you have a copy of God's Word, look with me in the Old Testament book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 17. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to get all this message out today. Uh, the Lord's loaded my wagon. All right? So, I'm just going to ahead and tell you now, I'm going to start it, but I'll finish it next Sunday. All right? There's no way I will get it all out today. But I believe this is exactly where the Lord wants me to start and, and to, to, to preach and to just hear what He has for us. God, thank you for the music today. I love this dear brother and so grateful for him. Matter of fact, now let me just take a second longer and just to say this. Um, if I were to be very transparent with you, I knew that this day was going to come months ago. Scott was in Columbia. There was a, uh, an event that was taking place that we were both invited to participate in. We rode together uh, to that event. And in talking that day, the Lord just... Uh, there's just moments that you know that God's up to something. And so here I am in a new role at the state convention. And uh, so what I get to do is I get to pastor 2,100 pastors. Okay, it's a big task. Okay, that's a big task. And so, of course, I can't pastor really 2,100 pastors, but I can develop a system where we can pastor pastors and be sure that they're taken care of spiritually and emotionally and physically. I believe we can do that. And also developing some church development systems just to help a church understand where they are and where they can go in the future. And, and so as Scott and I were just talking and I heard his heart and all the things that were going on at Poplar Springs. I'm just telling you that day I came home and told Pat. I said, all right, Pat, I'm just going to warn you. I know everything's new. new we, we just moved from Traveler's Rest to Columbia. Now, I just got to be honest with you. That's a big difference. Pat's favorite animal is cows. So Pat was at perfect peace today when we turned on to 417, and one of the first things she saw was cows, all right? So she's good. She's in. She's all in, all right? But I'm telling you, that day I went home and I said, Pat, I don't know exactly what it may look like, but I honestly believe we're going to get a call that I may get to help Popper Springs. That may be part of God's assignment for this season of our life. That's the truth, isn't it, Pat? And y'all, that's the bride of my youth right there. Her name's Pat. We've been married for 38 years. We've got eight kids. Seth, Stephen, Sarah, Silas, Samuel, Simeon, Sean, and Susanna. Don't ask me to repeat it. Pat was in a CBS one time, and the guy said, Are all these kids yours? And she said, Yes, sir. He just kind of just shook his head in disbelief, turned around and walked off. She saw him a few minutes later in the store, and he said, Ma'am, excuse me, uh, here's the deal. i got a name. If you ever have another one, i got a name for you. And she said, Okay, what is it? And he said, How about stop? <laughs> so so uh, eight kids, five of those are married. One's in love. Oh, boy. So I'm sure a ring's going to go somewhere soon. And uh, so we just had our ninth grandchild, December the 23rd, number nine. And March the 3rd, number 10 is going to be here. So about two years ago, I said, boys, girls, here's the deal. If each of you just average three apiece, gonna, we're going to have 24 grandkids. So that's the goal. 
Lord Jesus. I don't know how in the world we're going to remember their names and Christmas and all that kind of good stuff. But it's awesome. 41 years of ministry. God has been so good. Saved when I was 16 years old. The man that led me to Jesus was Dr. J. Harold Smith. Now, if you're older in this room, you may remember that name. If you're younger, it probably doesn't mean anything to you. Precious man of God, though, led me to Jesus at Hillcrest Baptist Church in Greer, South Carolina. Two years later, sitting in a study hall. I wanted to be a pilot. And I had entered into this... this um, program through my high school at Greer, what used to be called Stevens, you know, the the jet port. And I was going to learn to fly a plane. (laughs) Could you imagine me being a pilot? Son, we'd have some fun. I promise you that. All right. But sitting in a study hall, God called me to the gospel ministry. 18 years old. Two weeks after I graduated high school, my home church put me on staff. They saw more in me than I ever saw in myself during those early years. So it's been 41 years of walking with Jesus. 38 of those with my beloved bride. And so we're praying for you. We're praying for this season. And and I want to watch God work. Well, let me give you a little background because it will be important. Because when you read 1 Kings 17, it's kind of one of those stories that you really don't know a lot of background from if you just start there. It hadn't been long since the northern part of uh, the tribe of the the nation of Israel had been developed. And they, they had kings. And the first king was Jeroboam. He was the first king of the northern nation. He was an evil man and he led people away from serving God to serve idols and into idolatry he was a bad dude matter of fact he was so bad that he he named his son Nabad now Nabad was no better than his daddy as a matter of fact he only fanned the flames of wickedness and after he served uh, he was actually he was murdered by a guy named Basa now Basa was a paranoid dude Not only did he kill Nabad, but he murdered everybody that was associated with Nabad. And the Word of God would indicate to us that he served for some 24 years. Well, he had a son named Elah. Now, Elah had a drinking problem. And on an occasion, he was in a drunken stupor. And in that stupor, he was assassinated by a guy named Zimri. Now, Zimri served for one whole week. That was a short office right there, wasn't it? One week. Say, why? Because the people really didn't want him. They wanted Omri. Now, Omri was the commander of the army. And so he sent some men over to attack Zimri. And when he heard that they were coming, he was so distraught, he was so depressed that he took his own life. Committed suicide. Now, Amri never sought the Lord. And the Bible says that he did more evil than any of his predecessors. Now, what I just described to you sounds like a mini-series on TNT, doesn't it? I mean, there's some bad stuff going on here. And it's like every single king it just got darker and more evil and more wicked. 
I don't have to tell you that all of us today, listen, I know we live in the best state in the country and I love the upstate. But ladies and gentlemen, we too are living in some dark days. There are a lot of things that you and I may never understand. and We can't understand why people do what they do. And I wish the story had stopped there, but it didn't because there was another king. And in our text, we're introduced to him and his name was Ahab. And the Bible tells us that Ahab was more wicked than any of his predecessors. So that's the backdrop. Dark days. Evil is everywhere. But God is going to use a man named Elijah to be an instrument in his hand. And here's what we're going to discover. We're going to discover that Elijah is a man of faith. He's a man who believes the Word of God. He is a man who is obedient to the Word of God. Now, when we get into this text, you're going to discover we don't know very much about his background. As a matter of fact, let's just begin reading right now. Now, Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Now, if you've got a pencil, a pen, lipstick, mascara, blood, whatever, and if you're okay with marking in your Bible, that's worth underlining right there. That is central to this whole chapter. Let me read that again. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. So, Father, today I am asking you. Lord, as we begin to open up this text and just dig, I'm asking the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth, would come and be our teacher. Jesus, I'm asking you for a holy anointing, God, that nothing would come through these lips that has not come from the throne itself. God, I'm asking you to come and to meet with us right now as we enter into this time of worship through the Word. Jesus, I pray that you would do a work in me. I pray that you would do a work in every person that is here under the sound of my voice. Those who may be watching. God, I believe that you have a word. A word that we must hear. A word that we must receive. And so, Father, I pray that any demonic spirit that has been sent from hell today to blind, to kill, to destroy, or somehow distort the work of God have no place in this room today. And that, Jesus, you would do what only you can do. And as you draw us into your presence, as we sit at your feet, Lord, that you would teach us. And that as you teach, your word would transform us. And that, God, today, we would not leave the same way that we came. 
And so, God, you do a work that only you can do. And we will thank you. We will bless you. And we will praise you for all that you accomplish for your name's sake. And we ask it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first thing I want you to see here is the fact that you really don't know anything about Elijah, do we? We don't have his resume. We don't know anything about his pedigree. We don't know anything about his accomplishments. All that we know is that he is a Tishbite. Now, there's something there, and I want you to hear this loud and plain. God is not concerned with your past as much as he is concerned with his purpose. That's what God wants you to hear today. Now, all of us have a past, amen? I mean, all of us have a past. And that past could have some good stuff, and that past may have some bad stuff. And, and, and you know what? There are things in your past, even as a church, that can be hurtful at times if you start to concentrate and think about those things. But church, I want you to hear today, God is not as near concerned about the past as He is with His purpose of what He wants to do with His people and His church for His good and for His glory. Doesn't really matter about the past. Here is a man that was going to be an instrument in God's hands. And his name means the Lord is my God. Now, so think about it. I don't know how all this worked out, but somehow, someway, God orchestrated that Elijah would go to the throne of Ahab. That somehow he would gain entrance. He goes into Ahab's presence and basically says this. I know you're king, but you're not my king. My king is the Lord God. He's the one I'm standing before. And by the way, my God has told me to tell you it's not going to rain until he says it's going to rain. Now, that may not mean anything to you, but you've got to know this. You see, Ahab served a God, but it wasn't the God of the Bible. It was Baal. Did you know that Baal was the rain God? Now, think about that. Here is Elijah, a nobody from nowhere, going into the palace of the king, telling the king, I don't even acknowledge you as king. God is my king, and God says it's not going to rain until he says it's going to rain. Booyah! What do you think about that? And the Bible says on the heels of that experience, I mean, Elijah got to be a spiritual meteorologist for a day. He went in, he made the forecast, and then the Bible says, and the word of the Lord came to him. And what did God tell him to do? God said, get out of there. Number one, listen to this. Aren't you glad that God will protect us from the enemy? I mean, he could have snapped his finger. Ahab could have snapped his finger and had Elijah killed on the spot. But God intervened. God rescued him. And by the way, God is good at rescuing. Somebody say amen. Oh, he's good. And he knows how to protect his children. He knows where you are. You know, sometimes I think God forgets where I am. You ever been there? And all of a sudden now, Elijah has heard from God. He was obedient to God. And God said, now I want you to get out of there. Now, see, here's the deal. Most of us, if you're not careful, we listen to all this Western spirituality in the world. That's a big word that basically means this. There's a lot of teaching on TV and on the radio that isn't worth a hill of beans. Because it ain't the Bible. 
And see, sometimes you think if you do what God tells you to do, God's going to bless you. And well, God did bless Elijah. Gave him a one-way trip to the wilderness. All expenses paid to the wilderness. But he said, I'll protect you. And not only did he say, I will protect you, he said, I will provide for you. Look, watch again, remember the text. And the word of the Lord came to him, depart here, turn eastward, and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook. That is key. You're going to drink from the brook. I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. Every morning, the ravens. Now, why God chose ravens, I don't know. But he chose ravens. And every morning, the raven's going to bring him a country ham biscuit. And every evening, they're going to bring him a sausage biscuit. Now, I know that that might not appear in your Bible that way. But bless God, I'm preaching today. And it's going to be country ham and it's going to be sausage. I don't think you're right for God if you don't like country ham. You know what I'm saying? I just don't. That's a joke, all right? That is only a joke. Now, think about it. Every morning, the ravens would come. There's the, there's the biscuits. Every evening. Aren't you glad God not only protects His children, but God provides for His own? Do you know that everything I got's got J-E-S-U-S written all over it? My car, it belongs to Jesus. My house, it belongs to Jesus. My wife, it's Jesus. My kids, they belong to Jesus. I don't own anything. God's made me a steward, but I'm only a steward. I'm not an owner of anything. God has a way of not only protecting, but He provides. The very God that provided me salvation is the same God that provides me my sanctification. He's the same God that shapes me through the very gospel that He saved me with. Now you may be here today and say, Ken, if He obeyed God, then why did God send Him to the wilderness? Great question. And I want to answer that question. You ready? Because sometimes what you and I need to learn from God can never be learned any other way than through hardship and trial. See, the beautiful thing about the wilderness is there's no distractions. (laughs) There was nothing to get in the way. You know, we have a lot of distractions today. Cell phones can be a distraction. Somebody say amen. Video games can be a distraction. The TV can be a distraction. Or or just, you know, sports, whatever it is, you could just fill in the blank. So many distractions. And sometimes we are so distracted, we cannot clearly hear the voice of God. And God said, there's something I want to teach you. So what he's doing, he's sending Elijah to boot camp. He's getting him prepared for the next assignment. This may be very difficult for many of you to understand, but I hope that you will at least entertain this thought. Could it be that everything that God has done, He has done because He knows what He wants to do. And even though you feel like you may be in the wilderness, things did not go the way that you think that they should have gone. That God is at work. God, listen, God is still on the throne. 
God is not dead. We don't serve a dead deity. Ladies and gentlemen, we serve a risen Savior today. He doesn't make any mistakes. God is large and in charge. Whatever is over my head is still under His feet. He is ruling. He is reigning. And in His sovereignty, if He chooses to send us to the wilderness, then glory be His name. Because He's getting ready to teach us something that you could have never learned any other way. So he's there. And every day the birds are bringing him food. And every day he's drinking out of the brook. Why? Because that's what God told him to do. Second thing I want you to hear today. Not only, listen, not only does God care more about his purpose than he does our past. The second thing I want you to hear today is this. True faith is believing what God says. You see, when I was growing up, I thought faith just meant just jump out there, man. You know, I'm going to take a leap of faith, right? You ever, you've heard that phrase before? Just take a leap of faith. Just, it's the idea of just, just, just do something, right? No, 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 no. That's not biblical faith at all. I've come to understand that biblical faith is hearing a word from God and acting on the word from God. Now, there's three elements to faith. There's an intellectual element to faith. I'll demonstrate this. Now, this is going to be participation. I want everybody to help me. We're going to participate, right? This is yes. Okay? How many of you believe that God can do anything? Raise your hand. All right, thank you. Guess what you just... Okay, so here's the deal, Clark. You know what they just, they just acknowledge? They acknowledge they have an intellectual picture of faith. It is true. God can do anything. But there's also an emotional element to faith that says, I want, I need God to do something. So here's my second question. Again, show of hands. How many of you here today need God to show up and do something in your life? Just, just again, you got a need, raise your hand. Okay, boom, there it is. So there's intellectual faith, there's emotional faith, but here's the key. It's volitional. Say, so Kim, what does that mean? It means this. It's not enough to say that God can do anything. It's not enough to say that you want God to do something. Here it is. Real faith is when you say, God, if you give me a word out of your word, I will do whatever it says just because you said it. I will trust you. That is what you see in Elijah. Tony Evans said it this way. Faith is believing something is so when it's not so, so it can be so just because God said so. Faith is what? It's the, it's the evidence of what? It's the substance of what? Things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So here is Elijah who's believing what God said. Manly Beasley said, Faith is a man rightly related to God and what 
he says. So, so most of us think that today, okay, God, I will, I will trust you, I will believe, and I will accept what you say. And, and I love that. But watch what happens. Verse 7. So he's gone to the throne. He's made his announcement to Ahab. God said, get out. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. But yet one of God's provisions, now God is going to take away. Verse 7. And after a while, the brook dried up. Because there was no rain in the land. Point number three. Sometimes you will never know that Jesus is enough until you wake up one morning and discover that Jesus is really all you got. Church, let me ask you a question. Has God ever knocked all the props out from under you? Isn't it amazing how we can have the covers of our life tucked in just right? And then God steps in. God intervenes and messes all that up. I would love to know what Elijah thought in the wilderness. Now, we don't, we're not privy to that. Doesn't, all we know is he was a man of faith. He heard the word of God and he obeyed the word of God. That's all we know. But in my sanctified imagination, I would love to know what he was thinking. Because you know he had to talk to himself a little bit. You ever talk to yourself? I mean, I've had some really good conversations with myself. I think it was Paul David Tripp that said, you are the most influential person in your life because you're the person you talk to the most. I would love to know what he was thinking. I know what I think sometimes when I think that what I want and what God wants is not the same thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But yet he discovered even in the absence of the water, that there was living water. That there was something supernatural that God was going to work. You see, when you discover that He's really all you got, you discover that you have everything. It was Elizabeth Elliot who said, Suffering is never for nothing. The Christ life is not a me life. The Christ life is all about Jesus and if you think the Christ life is about you getting your way, you are mistaken. That's Burger King. Right? The Christ life is not about me getting my way and what I want and what I wish for. No, it's God working in me in such a powerful way that He does whatever it takes that I look more like Jesus. He works and He transforms and He knocks all the rough edges off. You know, I know we don't like things like this. You know, I was reading part of my quiet time this week was in 1 Peter. I couldn't help but think about it this morning. And I, just, I put my little little ribbon there. Listen to this. This is this is so good. Oh Lord, where in the world do I start? 
It says, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be more precious than gold that passes through the test of fire may be found in result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, nobody probably woke up this morning and the first thing you did was this. Oh, Lord, thank you for a good night's rest. I just love you. I can't wait to worship today. And God, I cannot wait to see how in the world you are going to test me today. (laughs) Did anybody here say, Lord, I can't wait to see what kind of trial you're going to send my way today. Did anybody in your right mind pray, God, I can't wait to be grieved today. No, probably not. And yet the Bible says what? That it is God who allows certain things to happen in his sovereign will and goodness. Why? So that you and I could be made more like him. And so what God is doing in Elijah is he's allowing, is he protecting? Yes. Is he providing? Yes. But even inside that, he takes one of those things away. The brook dried up. Is there anybody here today that you say, man, I can identify with Elijah because God, I feel like you're drying one of my streams up. You know, you can go through a dry stream in your family. Just because you've got the same address and phone number doesn't mean everything's going just fine under the roof. Maybe you're going through a dry stream in your finances. Anybody here got more months than you got money? I've known in my own life to go through a dry stream of faith. I can remember times when I would pray, and it's like God would answer that prayer immediately. There have been times I could look back in the rearview mirror of my life, and I could read the Word of God, and it seemed like it would just leap off the page. And there have been other times it seemed as though it was just as dry as dust. You been there? It's not that God is upset, angry, mad at you. It's not even necessarily because you have been disobedient. Please hear that. You can be absolutely obedient to Jesus and he can still send the trials. He can still dry the stream up. Why? Because he's preparing you for the next assignment. There is something more that God is trying to teach you. And so today I'll end with this. Could it be? That God's trying to teach us something that perhaps we just will never learn any other way. God does have a plan. God does have a purpose. You see, you don't have to come up with a mission because Jesus has already given us the mission. Amen? 
And so what I'm trying to lay the groundwork today is this. God's doing an upward work. And why would he do that? Because he wants to do an inward work. You with me? I mean, you should be with me. This, this should be language of all people. Listen, a, a guest could be watching this today and may not understand what I just said. But you who are here at, at Popper Springs should know exactly what I just said, right? God does the upward work. Why? So he can do the inward work. And why would God do the inward work? Tell me the last part. So he could do the outward work through who? You. And so today, my question is this. You got a dry stream? You thought God was upset with you, but He's not. God loves you so much, He lets you go through the dry stream because He wants to teach you something you could never learn any other way. And one of the greatest things that can happen right now in your heart and your life today is to say, God, thank you for the dry stream. Because it's in that experience that I can learn more grace, more of you than I could ever learn any other way. Let me tell you when God birthed this message in my heart. The truth is, Pat and I actually have nine kids. We just have one that we never got to raise. We never got to change the diaper, never got to go playtime, never got to teach them how to play a baseball or how to dance. We lost a child. We have a child in heaven we've never seen. I remember when Pat was expecting, we were so excited. And then the doctor said, there's some things going on and you, you have to kind of be careful with this. And in our mind, we thought, Lord, doctor, you can say whatever you want to say. God's in charge of this. He knows what he's doing. We were, we were on staff at First Baptist Church in Indian Trail. There's probably a hundred people in our Sunday school class. And there were people in that class. I'll just tell you straight up. There were some folks in that class who could get a hold of God. If I were to pray and say, God, I want you to strike me. I'm going to get those folks to pray. And they're going to pray that, God, you would kill me. I would go ahead and lay down so I wouldn't bruise. You with me? These folks know how to get a hold of God. And we believe. That God was going to protect that child and we were going to... And, and we thought, God, this is going to be a testimony of your goodness and your grace. And we're just going to even prove to this doctor that he doesn't know everything. That's not what happened. And what happened was that child died. And we were devastated. And I questioned everything that I could possibly question. About faith and belief and prayer. I remember being angry, overwhelmed. Any emotion you could experience, I'm telling you, we had it. But God in His goodness continued to work in the hardest, most difficult part of our married life to that point. And now on the, on the back side of that experience, when, I, when, we, when we turn and look back, we see the faithfulness of God. And God has used that experience that, that just, just too 
nobody's from nowhere. Greer and Liberty. Oh, man, metropolitans, right? And we've been able to help so many other couples. Because the very work that God did in us, we were able to, to, to let God use it through us for His good and for His glory. To the point that you look back and you go, God, you are good. Blessed be the Lord. He gives and He takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And by the way, if you know where something's at, it's not lost. I know where that baby's at, and one day I'm going to get to... Hey, heaven's going to be sweet just, for, just because of Jesus. Period. Amen? But a byproduct is also going to be... The Bible says that we will know as we are known. I believe I'm going to get to see a child that we've never seen. Maybe you're here today and you say, Ken, I'm hurting. I got, I got you. And maybe, church, you are still grieving. I got you. I I get it. Grieve. Grieve. Let it go. Pour it all out. I'm going to tell you something. God's big enough to handle it all. Go ahead. But here's what I don't want you to miss God loves you, He's got a purpose. He wants you to be a people of faith who will believe Him, at, take Him at His word. And that the very area that you feel that dry stream, it's the very area that God is using to teach you that He loves, He cares, and He's preparing you for something even greater. I'm not trying to, to use a power of positive thinking. That's another preacher and another ministry. I am here because of God to tell you that your best days of ministry are not behind you. Your best days of ministry are before you. Let God teach you what He needs to teach you now. Whether that's individual or collective as a body. Because the end result is he's going to make you look more like himself. So Lord, today, I I can't peer into the soul of every person that is here. I can't. But God, I believe that you have spoken through your word today. And God, I believe that there are some folks here today that have a dry stream. And I don't have to know exactly what that dry stream is. They know. They know the area that they've wrestled with. They know the area, God, that they... That's just that struggle. And Lord, there's some folks who feel like they're in the wilderness. And God, they feel like that you've just taken a lot of things from them. And Lord, what I pray that would happen today... Is that, Lord, today they would just acknowledge that. They say, God, I feel like you've dried up that stream. But I know that you are God. And besides me, there is none other. God, many in this room today need to pray for a word out of your word. 
God, many today just need to acknowledge, God, that they just feel like they're on the backside. And, and Lord, they just feel like you're nowhere to be found. But God, you've never left them alone. And Lord, I pray that today they would just come and find a place maybe around this altar or build an altar right where they are. And God, they would bring all those hurts, all those questions, God, all, all those feelings of pain and, and, and Lord, the, just, just being bewildered. I pray, God, they would come and lay it at the feet of Jesus today. That God, they would say, Lord, I want you to teach me and grow me. That God, I receive what you are doing knowing that you are a good God and that you've got a purpose. And God, I don't want to fight against your purpose. But Lord, I want you to do whatever it takes in me that I look more like you. God, I pray that many all over this congregation today would come and just lay these things at the altar. So Lord, you take charge of this invitation. God, if someone needs to be saved, I pray they'd be saved. God, if someone needs to identify this church, then Lord, I pray that would happen as well. God, whatever you want to do in this time, it is yours. But God, as we sing, we trust that you would have your way in us. And so God, draw us to yourself. And we will thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Brother Scott's going to come and lead us. I don't know what your practice normally is as a church. And I'm going to discover that as we continue to go forward. I understand about the COVID and distance. And I know there's questions about all of that. But there's a lot of places that you... I'm just saying, some of us need to come to the altar today. And just receive what God is doing. And trust Him to make you look more like Himself. So as we sing, I'm just going to ask you to come. Let's stand together. Trust to this altar and pray today through the course of this message today I feel like God has 
pulled out every emotion and every nerve I had left and walked on them for His glory. So I'm going to ask the musicians just to play. And if you'd care to join us, we'll join We'll join together in prayer down at this altar. Pastor Ken, you can stop it whenever you feel like it. greater than anything that we could think or imagine. Now unto Him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could think or ask. God, that is what Your Word says. And so God, today, I pray for many of us all over this room that God, we would say, Lord, thank You. Thank You for what You are doing. Thank You for what You have done. Even in those areas that we don't quite understand, God, we surrender to You that Your will would be accomplished. And so, God, we are trusting that whatever work that You begin, that You will see it through to completion. And so, God, today... Thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for how you speak. Thank you, God, that you love us enough at times, Lord, to allow us to go through a hardship, not because you are angry at us, or even because we've been disobedient, but it's just because you know what you have for us on the other side of that trial. And so, God, we come to you as a church to say, Lord, we pray that you would heal us. 
God, that we would embrace what you are doing. That the work you're doing, that upward work will be the inward work and we would see the fruit of that outward work. And so, Lord, we give it all to you today. And we commit it to you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. And amen. amen. Can we give the Lord a hand today for what He's done in our midst? Amen. Listen, as you leave today, there will be some guys there uh, with the offering place to receive the offering. Or if you're more comfortable, as you go out under the portico, there's some black boxes on the wall for you to leave your offerings there. Look forward to seeing you on Wednesday. Don't forget we had a great uh, kickoff for our Wednesday night programming this past week. There's uh, the Replicate study that's going on in the fellowship hall. There's one at a time. Uh, that my wife, wherever she went, is, as long as you're not going, I think you got the car keys. And so um, she's teaching a lady study. Um, we have children's music missions and Bible that's going on and youth are meeting. And a PS 101, if you're interested in our church, that's that tall fellow standing back there holding up the wall. That's Joey, and Joey, Pastor Joey, is teaching uh, PS 101, which is our new members orientation, which we ask for you to go in those classes uh, prior to becoming a part of the church. So we'll look forward to having you there. Hey, listen, we've prayed. Shake somebody's hand, tell somebody you love them, and you're dismissed today.